Got my recording going. Okay, I'm going to welcome everybody. Okay, I wanted to make a couple announcements before we um, start, before I do the opening prayer. So, there's goodies and uh, coffee and water. We have goodies that we can have social time afterwards. And there's paperwork back there, offering basket for those who um, so desire, or um, paperwork or emails and that kind of things. So I'm just going to open in prayer. If you and guys want to, you know, sign up for healthcare or whatever, the paperwork's all right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. Feel free. Yeah. And I, um, I, my prayer is not going to be as good as Tyler's, but here we go. <laughs> dear, dear Lord, we do thank you that we can be together and that we can be together in this new venture that um, you have laid on our hearts and that uh, you have definitely laid on Jeremy and Monique's heart. And we thank you for that. Help us learn your word. Help us really understand how we need to accept that word and how we need to live. Be with each and every person here. Help us to connect and to care for each other and to bear each other's burdens. And we love you, Lord, and thank you so much for those who are in attendance. Be with those who couldn't be here. In thy name, Lord, amen. 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 Thanks, Mom. Um, so we're, I actually, I know last week it's going to be a different format this week. I thought we would start with some worship this week, just a few songs. Um, feel free to stand, sit, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Um, the first song we're singing is called The Goodness of God. <coughs> That's right. You, you do whatever, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Yeah. And there should be a sheet that have, have the words in your little packet.
will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Yes, Lord, yes, Lord This one's a little more classic. A good hymn. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou Not be all else to 
Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. Amen, Lord. We thank you for this evening. We thank you that you are our light. Thank you for the gospel of John, the words that you are going to speak to us tonight, Lord. I pray you would fill me with your spirit, that I would speak your words as we study this passage tonight the prologue to the gospel, and what it has to say to us about who Jesus is. We love you. Thank you for each person who's here. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So good to have you all here. I love it. It's just like school. No one's in the front row. It's awesome. There's like 10 people here. We're all in the back row. That's great. Um, you know, I was thinking that you'll see on your, your paper, um, this week, this sermon's titled, Like Father, Like Son. Like Father, Like Son. And um, the prologue to John is really revolving around that topic. And I told you that a major theme as I go through this book is going to be the idea of what it means to be human. What that looks like, what it means. And... Um, As I reflected on this passage this week, I thought about that reality, the reality of being human and and producing children and what that says about humanity. And I thought about it as I thought about my my kids this week. And it's amazing what you see in them, right? It's amazing what you see of yourself in them. My daughter is such a compassionate person. She always looks at people in compassion and love for them and and, you know, grief for their, their illnesses and their, their sickness or their pain. And it's interesting because I remember being that way when I was a kid. And it's so beautiful to see that. And my son, he's got this humor that is so reminiscent of my humor. Sometimes probably more than it should be, right? At, at four years old. But then at other times I can see, you know, Gwen sometimes will have this tendency to always look at the negative of things. And, and that's also like me. Eli can sometimes have a temper that, that changes on a dime. That's also me. And we see the goodness and also our, our frailties, our weaknesses, our faults in our kids. It's just the way God has made humanity. And, and that's in some ways what this passage is about. Like father, like son. We're starting in the Gospel of John, like I said. And we'll start at John 1, where it begins. And we're going to go from verse 1 all the way through verse 18. And that's really the prologue to John's gospel. So when it opens, it starts with in the beginning, which is an obvious callback, right? There's there's one place you see that. In the beginning. Every time you hear that, your mind should jump to Genesis 1. In the beginning. In the beginning. So the background of this passage, as John's reflecting in these first five verses, verses 1 through 5, he's reflecting on Genesis 1. He's thinking about what Genesis 1 has to say. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being That has come into being. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. 
and the darkness did not comprehend it. So John is looking back on Genesis 1. He he reads that passage, right? This great passage of creation. And what's the first thing that God does? He speaks. And John can look back on that and think, okay, this word is with God from the beginning. And he wants to quantify, okay, you know, obviously John has lived his life with Jesus when he writes this gospel. And so he's thinking about who, who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? And he looks back at Genesis 1 and he says, oh, that word that was with God at the beginning, it came from God, it was sent by God, yet also was distinct from him. He was God and was with God. And then he turns to the next image that comes from that passage, right? Light. What's the first thing he spoke? The thing he spoke is light. And light came. And so he, he also thinks of Jesus as light. Right? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shone into the dark world, but the darkness did not understand it. Some translations say overpower it. It did not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It couldn't understand its creator. It couldn't understand its creator. So John looks back, and he sees the beginning of creation in your notes, it says. The beginning of creation. That's what he's reflecting on here in John 1, 1 through 5. In John 1, 6 through 13, he goes to another beginning. A second beginning, which is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He starts at the beginning, the beginning of creation, and then he goes to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And where does Jesus' ministry start? Jesus' ministry starts with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, it says this, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, John goes back, not just the beginning of creation, he goes back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, which every gospel tells us begins with John the Baptist. Every gospel starts at that place. And it's interesting because... The act of Jesus being baptized by John is signifying Jesus coming under John's ministry, which is really interesting. We don't typically think in those terms. But that Jesus is saying his ministry is a continuation of what John was doing. And we know that because we have three major ministry transitions in Scripture. All of them happen at the Jordan River. That's the significance of baptism in the Jordan. You have Moses to Joshua. Moses is not allowed to enter the promised land. He never gets to cross the Jordan. And he gives his ministry to Joshua at the Jordan. And Joshua crosses into the promised land. That's one. 
Two is Elijah to Elisha. Elijah, remember, crosses out of Israel when he's going to be taken up to heaven. He crosses the Jordan. He hits the river with his, his mantle, and it splits. And Elijah crosses, and he leaves Israel. And he's taken up to heaven. And Elisha's there with him. And he picks up that same mantle, that same mantle that Elijah has. And he says, let's see if the Lord, the God of Elijah, is with me also. And he hits the river with the mantle. And he crosses back into Israel. Elisha, he's taking up, literally, Elijah's mantle. And then the same is happening here, the third time. It's all symbolic to those transitions of ministry. John is in the Jordan baptizing. Jesus comes to him, is baptized, and he takes over the ministry of John. And he obviously supersedes it as well. But he's identifying himself with John. So Jesus' ministry, it's precursored in John. And so, interestingly, everyone really honored John as a prophet, even the Jews. Right? We see that throughout the Gospels. They really believed he was a prophet. And so John brings that up to say, John, this prophet, we, this man we all agree is a prophet, he testified about this light. The light that I just told, about, that I just told you about that's coming into the world. John testified about it. And he said, I'm not the light, but the light is coming. The light is coming. And that light came into the world, and the world was made through that light, but it did not know him. Right? There was a veiledness to Jesus coming. There was a veiledness to Jesus coming. And Jesus came to his own, which sometimes we universalize and say, why well, we came to people, which are his own. But I actually think this is really specific. He came to the, the Israelites. He came to the Jews. He came to his own people, the people that acknowledged him as God, right? Acknowledged the Father as God. He came to his own, and they did not receive him. But for those who did, he gave them right to become children of God. Right? Not from a husband's will, as some translations say. Not from a sexual desire. Not from, from a fleshly, earthly place. No. But through belief, they became children. That's what that is saying. And that's the pinnacle of this passage in many ways. That all who would believe have the chance to become children of God. And then verse 14. It goes on. In verses 1, 14 to 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as soon as you hear that, the good Jewish reader would know, okay, there's another background here. There's another word that just tipped us off that there's a story in the background. In the background of this part of, of the prologue is Exodus 33 to 34. Exodus 33 to 34. And if you want a good meditation, a passage that will never fail you in understanding the Bible, Exodus 33 and 34 is it. It is a great study into who God is and the type of God that we serve. See, in Exodus 32, what had just happened was the golden calf. Aaron creates the calf while Moses is on the mountain with the, bringing down the, the Torah, right? Bringing down the Ten Commandments. And when Moses comes down, he's heartbroken. He sees his brothers created this idol to, for all the people to worship. And in his rage, right, Moses breaks the tablets. Okay? And that's where ch- chapter 32 ends. 
And in 33, chapter 33, it says this. God's speaking to the Israelites and he says, depart from here. Go on up. I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites. But I won't go with you because you're an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. So go back to your tents while I think about what I will do with you. And then it has this interesting interlude where it says, Now, it used to be that Moses would pitch a tent and they would go in. Whenever Moses would go into that tent, the glory of the Lord would come down and meet with Moses. And they called it the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. And Moses would meet with God and speak to him. It says face to face like a man speaks to his friend. That's chapter 33. And then uh, the first part of chapter 33. And then in the second part, it says this. That Moses went up again to speak with the Lord and intercede on, the, on behalf of Israel. And when Moses intercedes, he says, Lord, don't send us away without your presence. The nations, what will they think about us? If, if, what will they think about you Will they think that we were just a people sent out into the wilderness to die? That, that you don't walk with us? If, we, if you don't walk with us, there's no reason for us to move on. There's no reason for us to go forward. And the Lord says, fine. He, he relents. He says, I, fine, I will go up with you because I have, I have given you favor in my sight, he says to Moses. And Moses kind of ecstatically says, okay, now let me see your glory, Lord. Let me see your glory. And the Lord says, well, I will let you see my glory, but no man can see my face and live. So I have a cleft and a rock I'll hide you in, and I'll put my hand over you, and when I pass by, I will call out my name, and you will see my back as my glory passes. And so Exodus 34 is this climactic piece where the Lord puts Moses in the cleft and he passes by and he calls out his own name. The Lord calls out his own name. And this passage is actually one of the most quoted passages in the scriptures. It's the self-identification of God, right? It's pretty rare that God explicitly says, this is who I am. I want to tell you the sum up of my character. Here it is. And he says this in chapter 34, verse 7. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Now that is a statement of who God is. That's God telling you who he is. And that verse is quoted throughout all of scripture. It's the self-identification of God. Okay? That's the background of the passage we're about to read. Listen to how many allusions John makes to what I just told you, that story from Exodus. He says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the instant the Israelites would hear dwelt, the word behind dwelt is tented. The word became flesh and he tented among us. It calls back to that tent of meeting. 
the tent of meeting where God would meet with his, with his friend, with Moses. And they would hear that and they would think about the tent of meeting. And, and hear this, he says, and we saw his glory, just like Moses, right? Moses saw the glory of the Lord. And John says, guess what? The word became flesh. He dwelt among us and we saw his glory, that same glory that was with the father. Glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. And that grace and truth is very close to the words that show up that he is abounding in loving kindness or graciousness and truth. See, what it's saying about Jesus, that word that was with God and was God in the beginning, took on flesh, and what did he enflesh? The very character of God from Exodus 34. The very character of God from the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate, abounding in love, loving kindness and, and truth. Forgiving sin, iniquity, and transgression, but by no means will leave the guilty unpunished. He encapsulates that. He's full of that. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. That was John's testimony. For of his fullness, John says, the fullness of Christ, out of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. I think the best translation is grace in place of grace. What John is saying is kind of a cryptic thing. I've I've wondered about it for a long time, what it means, grace upon grace, grace instead of grace. I think he explains it in the next verse. For the law, which was a grace, for the law was given through Moses. We often have this bad view because we we have so many Paul categories in our head that the law is a bad thing. But even Paul himself, right? The law was a caretaker. It was not the goal, but it was a caretaker. And it was holy and good. The law was good. We were just unable to keep it, is what Paul says. But it was a good gift from God. So that's the grace, the first grace. And in place of that grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, the fullness of God's character, came through Jesus Christ. Grace in place of grace. What was one grace has been superseded by an ever-surpassing grace. The grace and truth of Jesus Christ, which is the fullness of God's character, made flesh. No one has seen God. Remember, no one can see my face and live. No one has seen God. Only the begotten, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. He has made him known. Like father, like son. Jesus is the full explanation of the father. And all these allusions that he's making to the word that expresses the father's will. And and to the character of God that has been enfleshed in Jesus. Is to say that, yeah, no one's seen God. But when we look at Jesus... 
we see him. And we saw that glory, that glory that no one was ever allowed to see. John, as the author, I stood there and I saw his glory. I saw the glory of the Lord when I looked at Jesus, full of grace and truth. The very character of God made flesh. And that theme is the primary theme of John that will run through the whole book. Jesus is showing us what the Father is like. This God that seems so far off and so distant to us drew near and has showed us perfectly what he is like in Jesus Christ. And when we look at Jesus, like Philip says in John, in John 17, I think it is. Oh, no, it must have been 17. But in the upper room discourse, in John 13 or 14, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus says, Philip, I've been with you so long. Do you not yet know? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus is the full expression. And throughout the rest of the book, again, we'll see. Jesus makes it clear. All he keeps saying is, I was sent from God. I'm not doing my own works. I'm doing the works that the Father showed me. These works are not my own. They're my Father's work. And whatever I do, I'm doing in my Father's name. I do the things my Father has shown me. Jesus is completely identified with his Father. And so, as we close tonight, as I was thinking about this, like I told you, thinking about humanity, what that means. I think we have to think about that too. Jesus, this perfect encapsulation of his Father, the perfect example of that relationship. In fact, why was that name even taken? Why, why do we talk about the Father and the Son? Why did God decide to identify himself in that manner so that we would understand him in that way? I think in a large part because Father and Son shows that connection, that like Father, like Son. Jesus, the Son, is like God the Father. But interestingly, it also says, and not only is he a son, but he also gave us the right to become children of God. That we too would encapsulate that character of God from Exodus 34, 7 and become like that. That we would encapsulate the character of God. That we would look like gracious and compassionate, abounding in loving kindness and truth. That Jesus, who has pioneered that path, as the Son of God, has opened a way for us to have that right to also be children. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I think the only response I can think of is that we have to do our part to seek out the people that we are making, in some sense, our children, right? People that we're discipling, that we're, we're seeking out and passing on the goodness that's been entrusted to us. Now, it's a little different because Jesus did it perfectly. And, and like I told you, it's so easy to see, even as I look at my own kids, my own faults in them, my own failures that, that they have received from where I haven't been a perfect father. But I think that's our goal is to figure out how we can maximize passing on the goodness 
of our character that, that God has given us, the things that he's entrusted to us, and minimize the negative, right? But I also think more than that, we need to find those people that God has called us to be, to be parents to, spiritual parents, that we can be fathers and mothers to them, that they can be sons and daughters to us, and how we can impart that good deposit that's in us into them. And I think that is a big part of what it means to be human. I think that is a first place we can look at it. Like, what, what does Jesus teach us about being human? Well, in part, it's that in community, in relationship, we impact each other. We change each other's lives. We change the way we think. We change the way that each other thinks and acts and, and looks and the way that they live life. And we have to try our best to be um, exemplars of the goodness of God, like we sang tonight, of the goodness of God. And I think in part we do that and we become more like that by focusing on that vision, that vision of Jesus, right? The vision of God is found in the image of Jesus, what he looks like. When we think about what God looks like, we should think Jesus, because he is the very nature of God made flesh. And the word dwelt among us. Right? The word dwelt among us. And that's what we're looking forward to, right? That one day, Jesus would return and dwell among us again as the human being and God man that he is, right? That he would show us how to live, how to be fully human. And we look forward to that day. That's our hope our hope so anyway um that's that's what i have for you tonight and i I just want to close us in prayer and uh and bless you guys before we go heavenly father we thank you thank you for your word thank you for the gospel of john what it means thank you that jesus did come take on flesh and become the perfect encapsulation of who you are that we were able to see in human terms what your goodness and your faithfulness and your kindness looked like. And we were able to see that because he was submissive to your will, God. He was willing to follow your plan, to become one of us, to suffer like us, to become human, to have weakness and sickness and thirst and hunger and all of our finite nature. He took upon himself. And so I'm so grateful that he was willing to die a sinner's death in our place, in our stead. That we might be reconciled to you and that that right for any who believe to be called children of God. You open that door for us, Jesus, and we're grateful for that. And so we just pray we would be faithful to that and we would walk in that. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, bless these people as they go out this week. Lord, would you please help them to rest in the comfort of the fact that you are their father. They've accepted you and believed in you, that you are their father and they are your children. And would they rest in the beauty and comfort of that relationship. All right, guys. Love you. Thanks for coming.